Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 84. Today's class is sponsored by Louis Nishmat, a very special person. His yacht site was this week. Abraham Ben Badia Albert Naseri Alava Shalom. Be'ezat Hashem, this class, and all that comes out of it will be Le'elu Nishmato. We have been studying the subject, of course, of Simha, but specifically, we've been talking about the Amidah. As we see, the Amidah is the blueprint for a great marriage in the physical sense and also a great marriage with our Creator. The Amidah is more than a request. The Amidah is the makeup of all the ingredients that make a great person and make a great relationship. We spoke about the word Baruch, about humility in relationships. We spoke last week about Atah, about the individual part of the person. And today we're going to focus on the word Elohenu. When we speak to Hashem, we address Him as our God. Which is surprising because Hashem is not only our God. Probably the more appropriate term would have been to say Elohim. Just God, not our God. He created the entire world. But yet when it comes to the Amidah and our talk with Him, we speak to Him as our God. What that means, there's a two-sided meaning to that word, our God. Number one, from our end, it means that we're committed to the relationship. That the relationship between us and Him is something that we will work tirelessly to make it real, solid, that there should be tremendous ahava, love, it should not be a dry relationship. And it should be a relationship that continues to grow. From his end, it also means that I trust that he is worried about us. Us here means Am Yisrael. That he's concerned about us. Like we say in Tehillim, in Shirla Ma'alot, that Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem watches over us. 
He's Shomer Yisrael. There is a special connection while the entire world is His creation. But yet there is a special connection to Am Yisrael, a connection which Hashem calls it Banim Atem. You're my children, not just my creation. There's a special bond that we're supposed to have with each other. So Elokenu means not only am I committed to the relationship, but I believe and I know that you are committed to me as well. The Gemara says this in a more beautiful way, more eloquent way. Eloquent way. The Gemara says that when Am Yisrael puts on tefillin every day, in the tefillin, perhaps the crown of the words inside are the words Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad, which is a declaration of our emunah in our Creator. That's what we put on our tefillin. The Gemara says that Hashem also puts on tefillin. What does that mean? The Nahalat Yaakov explains it means that just like we have something that declares our clarity, our appreciation for our Creator, and we crown Him as Ehad, that He's unique like none other, so too Hashem also puts on tefillin. He also has us on His heart. And the Gemara says even more, and what does Hashem have written on His tefillin? A very odd question. But it means what is so important to him that he needs to tie to himself. So the Gemara says, Umi Yisrael Goy Ahad Hashem's tefillin, which means his thoughts and his connection, what he desires to be close to, is Mikamecha, who's like your nation. Yisrael, Goy Ehad, just like Hashem is Ehad, He is Ehad to us, and we are Ehad to Him. So Elokenu means that there is a dual commitment to this relationship. That He is committed to us, and we are committed to Him. That's what the words of, te- of Shira Shirim say. Ani le dodi ve dodi li. Ani le dodi is our tefillin. That's our commitment to making the relationship strong. Ve dodi li. And Hashem's commitment to us for the same relationship. We learned a few weeks ago about the subject of tzenyut. And we spoke how Micha, the Navi, he basically took the entire Torah, 613 mitzvot, and narrowed it down to three. One of them was tzenyut. But later on in history, 
there was a great man by the name of Habakkuk, another prophet. And the Gemara says that when he came, He'aimidan al-Ahat. I guess even three was too much to focus on. So he says, okay, if you're going to focus on something, there's one thing. Just work on your emunah. Make your emunah complete. And from emunah, a lot of great things will come. Hazal tell us a statement. Listen to this statement. En hakadosh baruchu hafetz which means Hashem only wants emunah. He only wants from us emunah. Now I'd like to explain to you what that word emunah means in this context. Probably when we hear the word emunah, we think about belief in God. We think about bitahon, trusting Him. But the Mesilat Yesharim in the 11th chapter opens our eyes to a whole new understanding of emunah. This understanding of emunah will change everything in your life. Nothing can stay the same if you understand this new understanding of emunah. Your marriage can never be the same again, even if you have a decent marriage. But emunah, in this context, is a whole different view of what it is you're involved in, and many other things as well. Says the Mesilat Yesharim that a person who is employed by his friend for some work, he says, Kol Sha'otav, all his hours are sold to his friend. He hired you. And therefore, he's not allowed to take any time for himself during the work time. And in order to show how important that is, says the Mislai Sharim, he brings a number of Pesukim to prove this point. That you got to be honest when you work for somebody. So he brings the Pasuk in Tehilim that says, Emunim. Emunim means those who have Emunah. Notzer Hashem, Hashem guards them. He brings another pasuk in Yeshaya. Pithu she'arim, open up the gates, Hashem says. Ve'yavo goy tzadik, let a righteous nation come in. Who is this righteous nation? Shomer, the ones who watch emunim. They are watchers of emunah. Another pasuk he brings from Tehillim. Ainai, Hashem says, my eyes, bene emne eretz, those who have emunah on earth, la shevet imadi, to sit with me. Yirmiyahu Navi says to Hashem, Ainecha, your eyes, halo le emunah. It's all about emunah. Very consistent with what Habakkuk said. 
What kind of emunah is this? This is not about belief in God. He's talking about an employee working for someone. That he shouldn't take time for himself. So why is he bringing pesukim that talk about emunah? The word emunah means, there's a lot of different words in Hebrew that it means, so there's not one word, but let me give you an idea of what it means. Emunah means honest. Emunah means trustworthy. Emunah means faithful. Emunah means loyal. Emunah means reliable. Emunah means responsible. Emunah means consistent. Emunah means firm. And more. There's no real English word for emunah. Emunah is all those. And it's a midah. It's a certain character that a person develops of being ne'eman. A ne'eman is one who lives with emunah. Again, not emunah in Hashem. Not like that. His life is a life of ne'emanut. He does everything according to what was just said. He's steadfast. He's strong. He's unwavering. You can count on that person. His word is gold. You don't have to worry about what they say behind your back. That's a midah of ne'emanut. En hakadosh baruch hu hafetz ela be'emunah. What he wants to see in us, not in us, for us. Hashem doesn't get anything out of us. He wants for us to have emunah. Because with emunah, the sky's the limit on the pleasures of life. Like it says in Tehillim, Shechon Eretz, live on earth. Ur'eh. Emunah. The word re'eh means to eat. Like a shepherd is a ro'eh because he feeds his sheep. Re'eh means to eat. Live on earth and eat. Enjoy emunah. Living with emunah is a great pleasure in life. It opens up gates of pleasure in so many areas. How powerful is emunah? At least this type. We find that Yaakov Avinu on his way to Lavan had a very famous prophecy where Hashem showed him a ladder. Yaakov was worried. Where is he going? To Lavan. What's going to happen to him? Who is he marrying? He has no money. Is he Will he be safe from Isav? In this dream, the Pasuk says, Vayahalom. He had a dream. 
He saw this ladder that was on the ground and the head was in Shamaim. And the rest of a beautiful dream. And Hashem tells him how much Beracha he's going to see. Now when he came back from Lavan 20 years later, the Pasuk says, Ve'Yaakov halach ledarko. Yaakov went back on his road, on his way. Ve'yifge'ubo malache Elohim. And he met up with angels. Now, interestingly, before he went to Lavan, 20 years before, he also had a meeting with angels. But it was in a dream. But now he was able to see them while he's up. That's a much higher level of prophecy. Like when Bil'am had a prophecy, it was in a dream. He told the people, stay tonight and let me see what Hashem tells me. If I can go with you to curse Am Yisrael. But by Moshe Rabbeinu, his prophecy was face to face. He was up. So that means Yaakov Avinu's prophecy after the years with Lavan was higher than it was when he was going to Lavan. What was he missing? The man grew up in the house of Yitzhak and Rivka. The man spent 14 years in Yeshiva Hashem Ba'ever. He was Yoshev Tam. He was Yoshev Ohalim, excuse me, Ishtam. Yoshev Ohalim. He was a complete person. He was blessed by his father Yitzhak. What was he missing? Surely he grew during those years. But is there anything in the Torah that tells us what happened during those years that elevated this man to a new level? Did he learn more Masechtot? Was his tefillah on a new level? What is it? Well, if you look in between these two prophecies, you will see a theme again and again. Whether it's Yaakov talking to his wives, whether it's Yaakov talking to Lavan himself, I'll just tell you the last conversation. He tells Lavan, he tells him, I am 20 years with you. And he tells him how he worked for him with such emunah. He says, you never had a loss when I was working with you. He says, you never had anything stolen from your sheep when I was working with you. If something got stolen, I paid for it. Hayiti bayom. He says, I worked in the day, even achalani horev, when the hot sun was out, I burnt myself because I'm committed to work for you. Vekerah balayla. It was freezing at night, but I didn't stop working. My commitment to you, vatidad shenati me'enai. My sleep was not mine. I gave you my sleep. I slept the minimal amount. Zeli esrim shana. I'm working for you. Twenty years avaticha. He says in the end, Vatahlef et maskurti, aseret monim. You switched my pay many times over. You never kept your word. Not in the original agreement that we had with marrying Rahel. 
and not afterwards with all the different deals that you made. You didn't keep your word, but I never took advantage of that. That is what you see in between the two prophecies. The one where he was sleeping and he got one, and the one when he was up. And what was the great accomplishment by Lavan's house? Was Yaakov's ne'emanut. He was fully ne'eman to Lavan. And it's hard to be ne'eman to Lavan. You know, most people who steal in business do not believe they're actually stealing. Most, believe, most people believe they're owed more money. They're only getting paid a million dollars. They made the company 20 million dollars. So at least I should get 10 million. So if I only stole 2 million plus my one, so they still owe me seven. People don't think like they're stealing. People steal from their brothers. People steal from their parents. Kolshikan from their partners. But they don't feel like they're stealing. Because they work so hard. They don't make enough money. They do most of the work. Two brothers work together. One is not so with it. One is very with it. He says, I work. He doesn't really work. I produce. He doesn't really produce. So what's the difference if I take an extra few million dollars? It's mine anyway. He's lucky I'm paying him. You think he feels like a thief? Most people that steal do not think they're stealing. It may sound odd, but that's the reality. Yaakov Avinu's test, his nisayon. You know, Abraham had a nisayon of the Akedah and his ten nisayonot. Yitzhak had his nisayonot. Yaakov's nisayon by Lavan would be, let me see your ne'emanut. Let me see how straight you are, how honest you are, how real you are. And you have all the excuses in the book to take money from this man. He's not a regular guy. He's somebody who's actually cheating you. He's, just, he's not just not producing. He lies. He cheats every step of the way. The Nisayon of Yaakov Avinu by Lavan's home is the Nisayon of Emunah. Not emuna in Hashem. In ne'emanut. In your faithfulness to your word. In your honesty. In lo your loyalty. You took a job. You don't like the deal? Leave. You don't like the partnership? Split up. But if you're here and you committed to something, you do it right. Nobody forced you to be here. Don't use excuses to go against your commitment and your word. This Ne'emanut of Yaakov Avinu explains why there's a famous Midrash that says that when he was taking his children and his family across the river, he went back even after they all crossed. And Hazal say, why did he go back for? So they say he went back some some jugs that he left behind. He wanted to bring them back. And the obvious question is, 
of wealthy men like Yaakov Avinu at that time, what does he have to go back for jugs? They're not so expensive. But Yaakov was ne'eman, not only to others, but to Hashem. He felt that if Hashem gave him money, then he was responsible for that money. And if he, if he gave him extra, he felt that he had a responsibility for that extra. So if Hashem gave me these pachim, I'm not going to leave them and waste them. Just like a person wouldn't waste something precious that his grandmother gave him, his great-grandfather gave him. It's too precious because they gave it to me. If Hashem gives me extra, I feel responsible to do what's right with that money. That's why the Torah says, Bal tashheit, do not waste. Don't just cut things down that are alive, cutting trees down as an example. Hazal tell us an example. If you have a bor, if you have water in your well, don't ruin it. Don't dirty it. Because somebody else might need that water. When Hashem gives you extra in life, He puts you in charge. He puts you like a gizbar. A gizbar is someone in charge of charity. Could you imagine a guy in charge of charity? He sees he has a few dollars in the bank. So he goes and he wastes them. People would say, hello, you're not, you're not Ne'eman. He said, but there was extra money. Extra money? You were given the responsibility over that money. Somebody needs to get that money. You didn't do your job. Hashem gives us also money. And we're in charge of it. Some of it we use for ourselves. And if we get a little extra, it needs to have the proper address to give it to. Ne'emanut is not only between Lavan and Yaakov. It's also between Yaakov and his creator. We see Ne'emanut by a great woman. A great woman who a moment of Ne'emanut changed her whole future, her legacy for eternity. One of the most famous women in the history of this world. Her name was Ruth. If you look in the story, you'll see that Naomi, the ex-mother-in-law, had two daughter-in-laws from Moab. One was Orpa, one was Ruth. And when Naomi was going back to Eretz Yisrael, they both were very strong to join her. They understood what it meant to be part of Am Yisrael, they were willing to leave their palace, their wealth, their comfort, their social life, and go with this woman by themselves with no money to Eres Yisrael. That was a choice that they made. Obviously, they had clarity. The Pasuk says, but when she told them, thank you for coming with me, you don't have to. They told her together, Ki itach nashuv le'amech. We're going back with you. Then Naomi continued to discourage them. That's what we do to converts. We discourage them. Unlike other religions that have missionaries, 
that look for new members. We don't look for new members because we, Am Yisrael, knows that every human has the ability to earn eternity. Every human has the ability to go to Olam Haba if they would fulfill their purpose. A goy has seven mitzvot, seven important mitzvot. If they would fulfill those mitzvot, then they would be from what we would call tzaddikeh umot ha'olam or hasideh umot ha'olam. The pious of the nations of the world. When a goy comes to us, we say, you don't have to be Jewish to have purpose. You don't have to be Jewish to go to olam haba. You're doing good. You sure you want to take this on? This is a whole new life. It's a lot more responsibilities. It's not so easy. It's many more mitzvot. That's what she did, Naomi. She kept discouraging them. And finally, finally, after a few talks, the Pasuk says, Vatishak orpa lahamota. Orpa kissed her mother in law, Verut Davkaba. Ruth stayed tight with her mother in law. And she told her, Your other your ex-sister-in-law. She went home. Go back with her. Ruth tells her, Altif Ge'ibi, do not continue persisting that I should go back. I'm not leaving you. Ki el asher telechi elech. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you sleep, I sleep. Your nation is my nation. Your God is my God. Wherever you die, I'll die with you. And I want to be buried next to you. What happened to Ruth and Orpah? Two women who believed very much in becoming part of Am Yisrael. The difference between Ruth and Orpah is called Ne'emanut. Ne'emanut means you stick with something even when it gets a little hard. They both wanted, they both were willing to go, even though it was hard. But when it got a little harder, a little harder, Orpa, she left. And Ruth was Ne'eman. One of the tests of Ne'emanut, it's easy to be Ne'eman when things are easy in any relationship. But when things get a little complicated, the ne'eman starts to rise while everyone falls apart. This ne'emanut of root produced the great David Melech. It produced the future kings of Am Yisrael. From who? From a convert. Could you imagine a convert produced the great dynasty of the kings of the Jewish people. Mashiach will come from root. Imagine a legacy. Imagine you go to Shammai and say, what did you accomplish here? You have all these people. Why is it all your kids? Yeah. Even one kid that's half normal, you're proud of. <laughs> Could you imagine a legacy of kings and Mashiach himself? comes from you. 
what, what, what was it all about? It was about Ne'emanut. Ne'emanut is why Hashem chose Avraham Avinu. From all the great people that He didn't choose, Avraham somehow made it to the list of being chosen as the only one. And Hashem says, you know why? You know, Abraham was, had a lot of kindness. He was a, he was a great philosopher. He was an intellectual. He was a great teacher. He was a fighter. But the Pasuk says, that's not why I chose him. Ki yedativ. Hashem says, I know this man. Lema'an asher I know this man. He is Ne'eman. He will continue to teach his children. He won't stop on his job of giving over the great chain of Am Yisrael. Imagine trusting someone with the beginning of Am Yisrael and they're not Ne'eman. They have a hard day, a hard week, a hard month. They check out. They stop teaching their children. They stop pushing what's supposed to be in their lives and in their future. Something goes wrong in the yeshiva, so they close the yeshiva. Something goes wrong in the Bet Knesset, they leave the Bet Knesset. That's what happens when you're not Ne'eman. When things go a little bit difficult, you just check out. Hashem says, Yedativ, I know this man. He will not stop. He will make sure to get the job done. No matter the challenges. Now we know where Yaakov Avinu came from. Abraham Avinu, we read about him every morning. So important is this midah that every morning, could you imagine? Every single morning during our tefillat shahrit, we read a part of Tanakh that talks about Abraham Avinu. But not parashat lech lecha, not the Akeda, not Hayesara, not those. We speak about Abraham Avinu. It's a pasuk in Nehemiah, Sukim over there, that say like this Hashem, you are by yourself. Atahu Adonai Levadecha. You made the heavens, you made the earth, you made the oceans. And you keep everything alive. This is in Baybarich David in the morning, right after the Hallelujahs. After we talk about how great God is, right away the Pasuk says, Atahu Adonai Elohim, you are Hashem, Asher Baharta be Avram. You chose Avram. Besamta Shemu Avraham, you renamed him Avraham. The obvious question that they ask. What does one subject have to do with the other? Here you are praising God. You're awesome. Look what you made. Look what you built. Look what you created. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Then, Atahu. And you're the one who chose Abraham. Why do those two go, go together? Atahu. You're great. Atahu. You chose Abraham. They give a beautiful mashal about a great melech, a great powerful king that was visiting one of his cities and there were millions of people on the sides of the streets watching the king as he went down the middle and everybody is waving and cheering the melech, the king on. As the king is walking by himself, who can walk with the king? 
He is only, he's Ahad, he's the king. He's walking. Everyone is watching in awe of the king. All of a sudden, they see the king stop. He looks on the floor. He sees something. He's looking at it. Then he goes on his knees down to the floor. People can't believe their eyes. The king's on, the knee, on his knees. He picks it up. He looks at it. Takes it and puts it in his pocket. The place is going wild. What could be on the floor that the king stopped on his knees, looked at it, picked it up, put it in his pocket? What could that be? What did he find? This is the question that we ask every morning in Vaybarech David. We say, Hashem, you're the creator of endless galaxies. In our galaxy alone, there are over a hundred billion stars. A hundred billion stars. There are only eight billion people. A hundred billion stars just in our galaxy. Many of them larger than the sun. And one, this galaxy is one of many galaxies. The world is huge. We say, Hashem, you made the heavens, the heavens of the heavens. You made the oceans. You made everything that's in them. Everyone bows to you. Everyone bows to you. All of a sudden, you come down in this huge creation. You go down on your knees. You found this little guy, Abraham. You ever, were you ever, ever in an airplane? Looking down, you see how little people look? You see little cars driving? The guy in the car thinks he's on top of the world. He's a little nothing. He's a peanut. Goes down. You went down on your knees. You found Abraham and you put him in a pocket. What could you possibly have seen in this man that it was so important that you went down and you took him in your pocket and you made him yours. What is so important? And everybody's sitting there looking, watching. What could it be? What's the answer? Every morning we ask this question. Every single morning. That's how important it is. And the answer, we say it every day. Umatsata et levavo ne'eman lefanecha. Hashem says, you know what I found? I didn't find a good-looking guy. I didn't find a rich guy. I didn't find a brilliant guy. It could be he had all of those things, but that's not what it was. I found one thing that I'm looking for, and only one. I found that this person had a lev that was ne'eman. He's a reliable, loyal, beautiful person. That's what I found, and that's what I chose, and that's what I put in my pocket. Could you imagine how huge this type of emunah is? Do you understand why David says, You want to live life? You want to live your life to the utmost in every way? Eat emunah. Eat the benefits of emunah. It doesn't end, by the way. I'll just give you one last example. When Hashem had to tell Aharon and Miriam about the greatness of their brother Moshe, 
he felt they did something, Hashem realized they did something inappropriate. He tells them, Lochen Avdi Moshe. Moshe is like, not like anybody else. Bechol Beti, in all of my home, it's a big home. Hashem is a very big home. It means the whole world. Bechol Beti, Ne'eman Hu. He is Ne'eman. You watch how you talk against Moshe Rabbeinu. If I ask you to fill in the dotted lines, okay, what's special about Moshe Rabbeinu? Maybe because he brought the Torah down? No. He split the sea? No. He took us out of Egypt? No. He had a heart for people who were in need of help? No. When Hashem comes to tell Aharon and Miriam, He says, Bechol beti ne'eman. He is a ne'eman. Watch how you deal with him. Being a ne'eman means, like we said, being honest in business. Both as an employee and an employer. Paying on time. Being a ne'eman is when you borrow something. It's really borrowed, not stolen. When you borrow something, you borrow it and you use it the way you're allowed to use it. Being ne'eman means a good friend. A good friend that is there for those in need. Being the Iman, Hazal tell us, for example, that if you go to a city to visit every once in a while, you don't change the place where you stay. Imagine that. You go visit a certain place every so often. And you stay by a certain person. The next time, you go back to the same person. You don't change, unless they throw you out. That's called ne'eman. Ne'eman means you are consistent. You don't change houses. What was wrong with the first house? You had a problem there? You want the guy to feel like he wasn't a good host? You don't change. Ne'emanut. You go back to the same place. Ne'eman means you keep your word. In fact... When Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, mikol ha'am, I want you to choose from the entire nation, anshe emet, men who are emet. What does the word emet mean? Emet means honest. But yet Rashi Allah Shalom says no. Anshe emet elu, you know who they are? You know how you measure if you're emet? I bet, I bet everyone thinks they're emet. I think I'm emet. I don't lie. But that's not the measurement of anshe emet. Says, says the Pasuk Rashi, Allah Shalom says, Elu ba'ale haftaha shehem kedai l'smoch al devrahim. Anshe emet means you keep your word. You keep your word. I shouldn't be talking. Certain things I feel I'm better at than others. I'm not sure how good I am at this. But it doesn't matter. We have to talk to ourselves as well. Keeping our word means when we say we're going to do something, we do it. That is so hard. It's so hard to say, I will call you. And you never call. I'll be there in 10 minutes 
and it's already an hour and 10 minutes. And then they pick you up and they can't understand why you're upset. I, te- I said I would come. I came. But you're an hour late. I promised to be there tonight. You don't show up. I commit to give my time. After one week, I've seen this a thousand times. I'm sure you have also. Something exciting is happening. We need volunteers. Day one, 1,000 volunteers come. Everyone wants to volunteer. Everyone wants. I'm in, of course. Week two, it went to 100. We lost 90% of people. By week four, there isn't a minyan. They can't get a minyan. It's, it's as serious as that. We commit to go to a class. Uh, we're going to a class every week. First week of the season, there's not enough seats in this place. You come by June, we're trying to find customers. But that's the way it works. Okay, I exaggerate a little bit. But that's the way it is. You take something on, you're hot on it, I'm in, all of a sudden, you stop. What happened to you? It's called a lack of ne'eman. You don't keep your word. Not necessarily to others, to yourself. It would be better to be careful before you commit. Before you commit and just don't do it. Anshe emet. If you ever wonder, am I emet? Am I an honest person? So again, automatically you're going to say, yes. I mean, I don't steal. I don't rob banks. Of course I'm honest. But that's not the measurement. The measurement is do you keep your word. Do you say and keep what you say? It's a big test. I would recommend, I did this once, and it was very disappointing, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I hate to tell you my problems, but I decided once that I'm going to write down every day how many times I didn't keep my word. <laughs> I needed a new notebook every night. Look, seriously, I, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, you don't realize small things. Like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll, I'll be right there. Right there is one. What is, what's right there? What is the definition of right there? How fast is that? Mom, I'm coming over. I'll be there soon. What, what does that mean? We don't even, re- like, we're so, so far removed from Emmet that we don't even realize that we don't keep our word. I'm starting to write things down, and it's, like, getting very disappointing. You try it. You'll see. You'll realize we just talk in theory. We talk in poetry. We don't even talk in reality. Anshe emet. Keep your word. It's called ne'emanut. That was all introduction. I told you many times, you could leave whenever you want. So tell me how Ne'emanut is going to make a difference in my life. Okay, I'm not going to be chosen like Abraham Avinu. We only have one Abraham. Moshe Rabbeinu is one, Moshe Rabbeinu. Ruth already had Mashiach, so I guess I'm out. So like, what, what am I getting for this Ne'emanut business? 
oh, just to be like a good person? Okay, fine. I think I'm good already. I'm fine. I'm good enough. In America, you have to be good enough. You don't have to be good. As long as you're good enough, you're good. Who decides if you're good enough? You. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. What else am I getting from, for this ne'emanut business? Before I go out and buy a notebook for tonight, what am I getting out of this? Let me, get, let me tell you what you're getting out of it. I'm not sure if you noticed, but every time a couple gets married, we bless them with a blessing. Only one blessing, not more than one. We don't have two blessings for a new couple. We have one. We wish them many things, but we bless them with only one blessing. We tell them, every speech you ever heard under a chuppah, gets even kind of boring. Like you know he's going to say, okay. And he should be zochet to build Bayit Ne'eman Be Yisrael. There you go. You're so bored from it that you don't even realize what you're saying. Bayit Ne'eman Be Yisrael. There is no other blessing. We don't bless them with all the beautiful things that we want for them. Ahava, ahava, love, ahdud, to be always together, to all the beautiful things. Shalom, re'ut. But that's not in any blessing. When we bless a hatan and kala, we bless them with one thing. Bayit ne'eman. What does a bayit ne'eman mean? It doesn't just mean that they're loyal to each other in the most simple way, the most obvious way. Of course, it means that too. But there's so much more to a bayit ne'eman than not cheating on the other. A great rabbi once asked his students who were planning to uh, start preparing for marriage, so he wanted to test their knowledge. So he asked them, what do you base your marriage on? Everything that we do in life has a foundation. So what do you base your marriage on? So they unanimously agreed that marriage is based on love. And the rabbi corrected them, saying that although love is definitely the goal, But when you're married, you neither love, you don't have love yet. Or you even understand necessarily how to love. Love is a goal of marriage. There's nothing more pleasurable in relationships than to be with someone that you love. Real love is very, very special. But the rabbi says that's not the basis of a marriage. The basis of a marriage is a commitment. It's a commitment that you will do everything in your power to make the other the happiest person possible. 
the basis of marriage of Hare At Mekudeshedli is that both a husband and wife see themselves going forward as responsible for the happiness and the well-being of their spouse. Until you're married, the most important part of you is you. You're focused on your happiness, on your satisfaction. Marriage is a commitment that from now on, your happiness is my responsibility. And if you're not happy and things are not the right way, then I feel that responsibility. <coughs> the same way that we look at our children, hopefully, if we're normal, which, thank God, I think most of us are. When we look at our children, we feel a responsibility of their happiness. When my son isn't happy, I take it personally. Why is he not happy? What am I doing wrong? Is he in the wrong school? Does he have the wrong friends? Does he have the wrong teachers? Am I saying the wrong things? When my children aren't happy, I take it personally. It's my responsibility. Not always can I change their happiness. It's their free choice, obviously, at the end of the day. But I feel that responsibility. That's the commitment of marriage. Now, a commitment is worthless if the person is not ne'eman. Just like you promised a hundred things today that you didn't do. This becomes another promise that really doesn't have any value. That is why, interestingly enough, we have the Talmud is in six sections of different subjects. So for example, we have the subjects of Zmanim, which means the times of the year. So in that group, you have Masechet Shabbat. That's a time every seven days. Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Masechet Yoma, Yom Kippur. Masechet Sukkah. Masechet Ta'anit. Masechet Betza, which is Yom Tov. All the subject, all the different times of year, we have a Masechet in that section. We have one section, it's called the section of Nashim. Could you imagine Nashim got their own section? <laughs> Whole section. Woman. Anything that has to do with marriage, Kiddushin, Valenu, Gitin, divorce. Sota, Yevamot, Yibum, all different subjects. Ketubot, Ketubah, all subjects that have to do with women. Guess what you find in this group? Something that doesn't belong there at all. It's Masechet Nedarim. Nedarim is a big Masechet that talks about vows. Your commitment. If you said this, are you, is that called a commitment? A whole subject, pages and pages, tens of pages of what's called a commitment. How do you back out of a commitment? 
Is there a commitment you can't back out of? I mean, endless halakha of nedarim. And obviously, the biggest question before you even start the masachet is, why is nedarim in the subject of nashim? What does it have to do with marriage? I guess by now you know the answer. Could there be a more important masachet for marriage than nedarim that teach you how to keep your word? You committed at marriage that the other person's happiness is your responsibility. That's your commitment. Is that what you're doing? Is that what you think about? Is that occupying your mind? You need Masechet Nedarim to remind you of what it means to be committed. You know, the Torah says it in very simple words. Right in the beginning of the Torah, it says, Alken Ya'azov Ish Et Abiv Ve'et Imo. When Adam is getting married, Hashem told us a very important principle. People, not necessarily we, people I mean myself and you, not necessarily understand the message of this. It's a very powerful message. It says, therefore, therefore, meaning because you got married, therefore, automatically, it has to be Ya'azov ish et aviv et imo. The woman for sure has to leave her parents. But even the man has to leave his parents. He has to leave his father. He has to leave his mother. And he has to become united with his wife. What is the message of that pasuk? So I have no more parents when I get married? I don't honor my father and mother anymore? I don't listen to them? I don't go over to their house? What does this mean? The halachot of kibud avaem do not expire by marriage. So what do you mean ya'azov? What do you mean you should leave your father and mother? And why are you picking on the father and mother? Does it mean you should leave their house? Is that all what it's about? I'd like to say something. I think it's very simple. I didn't see it in a book, but I think it's very obvious. The most precious asset that a young person has growing up is his father and mother. He may not always know it, but that's his most precious asset. They're the ones that are worried about him when he's not worried. They're the ones thinking about him when he's not thinking. He's sleeping and they're up. He's calm and they're worried. Could you imagine you have someone that is like totally sworn to your success and even if you're not behaving properly, he yells at them and they're worried about him? He's disrespectful and they're begging for his attention. The most precious asset for a young person by far is his father and mother. Like I said, he doesn't always realize it. But it's a reality. Some do realize it. The Torah is telling you that when you get married, you have to put away all the things that you care dearly about. Even 
your father and mother. Father and mother isn't the beginning. That's the end. Oh, you care about football? Is that what you care about? Uh, you better get rid of that right now. You care about this? You care about that? You care about your business? You care about your money? You care about your cars? You care about your athletics? You care about people? You care about, you care about a lot of things. The top of what you care about is your father and mother. Torah says when you get married, you need to put everything on the side. It's all on hold. Because you have one commitment. And that is the happiness of your wife. And everything else can have its time too. But not nearly in the right, in the, in the priority that you used to have. You cannot put anything ahead of this new commitment that you have with your spouse. Alken, Ya'azov Ish, even Abi Ve'imo, even those people, your most precious asset, they have to be second to your new commitment called your marriage. That is your focus. You ever wonder why so many people come in for a wedding, they fly from all over the world? They don't do that for any other type of party. But a wedding, people feel it's normal to fly for, from 6,000 miles away to come attend a wedding. What is going on at that wedding? Actually, all they have to be present at is one moment. Everything else is just a party. That's a very powerful commitment. Could you imagine two people that decided that they're putting away anything valuable in their life to be second and third and fourth and fifth? Even their own parents? They're going to put them all away? And they're committed that that person's happiness is my new most important mission in life. That's powerful. You fly in for that. You don't see that every other day. What does it mean to be committed to the happiness of my spouse? Ne'emanut in this area, ne'eman means Then when the other person is in pain, I need to figure out how to help. Sometimes the pain comes from a mother-in-law. Sometimes. Sometimes it comes from work. And sometimes, believe it or not, it comes from the husband himself. And a husband needs to see himself as responsible if he's ne'eman to smooth things over. Both sides have that responsibility. Ne'emanut means to understand the feelings of the other person even if you don't agree. 
It means to see the world through their eyes. As you know, men and women are very different. The Rambam says this so beautifully. In Halchot Ishut, look what the Rambam says. Tzivu Hachamim. Hachamim commanded us. That a man should give kavod, should give honor to his wife more than he honors himself. And he loves her like he loves himself. So interesting that when it comes to love, this is not poetry. This is halakha. When it comes to love, I saw you guys like, this, this is, this is halachot. When it comes to ahava, when it comes to love, the Rambam says, he loves her like he loves himself. But when it comes to kavod, he says he honors her more than he honors himself. Why? Why can't it be the same? Why is love different than honor? Answer is because women are much more sensitive than a man. Let's say they only have a certain amount of money. Either he's buying a new suit or she's buying a new dress. She's more sensitive than he is. He doesn't care as much about the way he looks. She does. Kavod, when you see the world through her eyes, that's more important than yours. Ohava means the basic necessities, it's equal. You and her are the same. But you have to be able to see things through her eyes. Says the Rambam, listen to these words. He says... Which means that a husband has to speak calmly to his wife. It shouldn't be sad. And he shouldn't be nervous. What beautiful words to build a home. How come a husband has to be so careful about that? The Rambam doesn't say that about the wife. The wife will get to it in a second. <laughs> but the Rambam doesn't say that a wife has to not look sad and not be nervous. But by a man he does. Because a man has to realize that his job in this relationship, and that's the way Hashem made men and women. Hashem made men Stronger, generally speaking. Bigger. They talk. They have a loud voice. They're scary sometimes. That's needed for the... He's like a, he's like a defense minister. You know what a defense minister does? He protects the country from outside enemies. You can't have a lightweight person who's very, very soft. That doesn't work. You need a person who's strong, who's tough, who's loud, who's scary. But then you have the minister of the interior. 
people who care about the people in the country. That guy doesn't have to be so strong. He has to be sensitive. He has to understand what people are missing, who's hungry, who's not getting what they need. Women have that tremendous sensitivity to see what others around them need. Men, they can never understand. Even if they were told that somebody is hungry, they wouldn't understand. I told you once before, a woman could see a hungry baby even if he ate 10 minutes early, earlier. A man could babysit for three days and not realize the kid's hungry. It's just the way it is. Women have a sense of what's needed internally. So that's why if a man sees that responsibility, he's like the security of this home. He's the security guard of this home. Could you imagine walking into a building and the security guard is screaming, scared? You're not walking in that building. What kind of building is that? The security of the home is supposed to be the man. And if the security guard walks into the house sad, upset, nervous, I don't know, business is not so great, we're going to maybe lose the business, we're going to lose the house, I don't know what's going to be with the economy, I'm not sure. All those talks by a security person of the house makes the people in the house very nervous. Understand, you want to talk with your friends about business and how it's going down and the world is going to be over in three days? Talk to your friends. Go for coffee and talk to your buddies. But don't do it with your wife. Don't do it at home. Because you're Mr. Security. You walk in with all the secure feelings that you're giving off. Strength. That's what your wife needs to make her happy. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe you need to complain all day to feel happy. But your wife needs security. So you don't talk like that. Are you noticing what's going on here? The Rambam is basically saying that ne'emanut of a man is to see how he can make his wife comfortable. Vechen, and also, tzivu hachamim al ha'isha. Are you ready for this one? The woman is commanded, shetihiyeh, listen to these words. I hope you know Hebrew, and if you don't, I'm still going to explain it. Tihiyeh mechabedet et bala. She has to honor her husband beyoter midai. Yoter means more. Midai. More than enough. What kind of language is that? We know what it means that you should give her, give someone kavod like you. That we understand. To give him more than you, we understand. What could the words yoter midai possibly mean? She needs to give him honor more than enough. That's a lot of honor. Let me tell you what more than enough could mean. Something very beautiful. You know, a man in the streets very often looks much better than he really is. And only your wife knows that, to true. She goes outside and she hears people say, oh, this guy, Joe, what a tzaddik. Oh my gosh. You don't know. The kindest heart. The most pleasant person. 
the calmest, all the ist, givingest, calmest. And this woman is sitting there saying, oh my goodness. Die! You know what die means? Enough already! Such sheker! That's what she's thinking. She knows him better than anyone else. You know, outside he's on the stage performing. When he gets home, the curtains close, and here comes the real guy. And he doesn't even look like the guy on the outside. So people on the outside, they're bowing to the guy. And she's saying, come on, you know you're a nobody. You know it's not true. Die, enough already. Not necessarily she says those words, but she acts. The people outside are worshipping him. She knows the truth. That he's no one to worship. Who could blame her? If the people outside know the truth, they also wouldn't worship her. But says the Rambam, be careful. As a wife, be careful. Make sure when you give kavod to your husband, it should be your ter midai. Don't give it according to your enough. Because you know the truth. Your ter midai. Your husband needs to feel as much respect in the home as he does in the street. Your termidai. Don't fall for the I know you. Don't fall for I know the truth about you. That's a terrible mistake. A husband needs to feel that his wife respects him, even if it's not fully emet. But that's what he needs. The Rambam says more. It means that a husband needs to feel that he's the melech. He needs to feel like he's in charge. He needs to feel like he's running the show. And his wife needs to know that. That he needs that. Experience has shown clearly that he doesn't have to actually run the show. He just needs to feel like he's running the show. And as long as, as, long as the woman gives him that malchut, gives him that royalty, that you're the man. You're running the show. This is not equality here. There's no equality. A woman is not equal to a man and she's not equal to her. They're different people. As long as she gives him the feeling that he's a melech, you think we should buy that? You think we should build that? You think we should go here? When you have a melech and you're under the melech, you ask him, what do you think? Says the Rambam, whatever she does, I'll peev. Ask him first. Just ask him. Make him feel like a king. That's what he needs. Hashem built him to be this melech, to protect your home, to give you the strength and to give you the, 
the, the, the, the peace of mind and the security. Hashem made him like that. But you need to give him that malchut. When you don't do it, then it's going to cause him not to feel like a melech and a lot of unfortunate things could happen. Those are some examples of what ne'emanut is. Ne'emanut is having a new vision when you walk into your home, into a relationship, that that person's needs are my responsibility, even if it's not my needs. What does he need? What does she need? I could disagree with it. Maybe I don't need it. But ne'emanut means stick to your commitment. Ne'emanut means that you don't talk behind the person's back. So often, unfortunately, we find both women and men give all kinds of looks and faces when the other is mentioned in a conversation. Maybe to her mother, maybe to her sister, maybe to a stranger. If I trust you, then I trust that you will protect me and you will never hurt me and that you will be there for me even when I'm not looking. I trust that you will never stab me and speak about me in a way that's embarrassing to me. You will stand up for my kavod and my honor. A man or a woman who talk negatively, even slight hint of negativity about their spouse is a lack of ne'emanut. You're not ne'eman. That's not what you said. That's not what you committed to. You didn't commit to speak behind their back. You didn't speak to call your mother and say, you don't believe what this guy does. If you need help, it's a different story. You go for help. But don't talk. Don't make the person look bad. Your job is to make that person not only feel great, but to look great. Ne'emanut means you judge them lekav zechut. It means that sometimes people say the wrong words. Very often they don't mean it, but they say it, and oh, it hurts. And then you take that word and you stick on it and you hop on it, but I can't believe you said this. A week later, I can't believe you said this. Two weeks later, you're still on it. Kav just move on. Ne'emanut means that I believe in you also. It means I believe that you have my best interest. And that if you slid and slipped and didn't realize it wasn't out of bad intentions, you probably didn't mean what you said. I'm moving on. That's ne'eman. I don't harp on negativity. I move on because I know it's not really what you want. I know that it was probably a bad day for you. I know you probably were angry. Just like you do with your children. Don't say, I can't do it. Look at your children. He just yelled at you. And you're begging him to eat dinner. You don't harp on your children's because you love them. And more importantly, perhaps you believe in them. You believe that they really are good. They just don't realize what they're saying. That is the ne'emanut of a marriage as well. To believe that the other person really has your best interest in mind and to act that way. 
I will finish off Today's part one Tomorrow, Next week will be part two I will finish off by telling you That I just gave you a few examples Obviously the examples are endless Of what it means to be A husband and wife That's ne'eman A bayit ne'eman Could you imagine A real bayit ne'eman where both sides are living like this? you have any idea what kind of warmth, what kind of simha, what kind of Gan Eden is in that house? Who could say, I can't do better? Who could say, yeah, I'm fully doing it right? I don't believe it. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how many years you're doing it. doesn't matter if you're newly married. This is it. Ne'emanut. This is what makes great marriages. It makes great relationships. It makes great people. Bayit ne'eman be Yisrael. And in fact, as we learned some time back, that the marriage that Hashem put for us humans is just an example of what it means to be married to Hashem. The ne'emanut of a home, the ne'emanut with people, is just an example of the ne'emanut we need to feel also with the Creator. Like so many things in life, Hashem gives us a stepping stone. Hashem says, honor your parents so you understand how to honor me. Be in awe of the wisdom of a Talmud Hacham so you're in awe of my Torah. Hashem gives us mashal after mashal. The greatest mashal of love between us and Hashem is the love of marriage. When we have a loving marriage and we build a loving marriage, it's just one step away from a loving life with the Creator of the world. And therefore, it is by no accident that if you open up Masechet Shabbat, Daf Lamed Aleph, the Gemara says, Amar Rava, Besha'ah, at the moment, Shemachnisin Adam Ladin. At the moment they bring a person into judgment. Bringing a person to judgment means you finished your life and basically you're getting a score. Was it a failure life? Decent life? Awesome life. Nobody wants to live a life that's anything less than awesome. Nobody wants to be married good enough. No one wants to go through life good enough. Maybe that's all we feel we can get. But it's not enough. And it's your responsibility and my responsibility. Not always the other side. It's me. I got to do my best. So what's the score of your life? Are you going to get a top score? That means you're going to live a life of Gan Eden in this world? Did you live a Gan Eden life? Did you live a mediocre life? Did you live a Gehinam life? That's what's being looked at at the end of life. There's a score. Zero being Gehinam. Hundred being Gan Eden. So what are the criteria of this 
test? What are they using as the barometer between Gan Eden and Gehinam? First question. Nasata venatata be'emuna. Did you deal in life with others? Be'emuna. Were you ne'eman? That is the first question of success or failure in this world. Were you a ne'eman? Were you faithful? Were you honest? Did you keep your word? Did you commit and fulfill your commitments? Bayit ne'eman Israel. That's what we mean when we say elokenu. Elokenu means Today we only spoke about the marriage part. Next week we'll speak about the marriage between us and Hashem. But Elokenu means Hashem, I am committed to you. I am committed to this relationship. And I know that you are committed to me. I know you're worried about me. I know you think about me. I know you will never disappoint me. I know that I'm very important for you. Elokenu. That's how you start Amida. That's how you build relationships. Ezrat Hashem Yidbarach. We should be Zocheh to build a Bayit Ne'eman. In everything that we do, we should have Ne'emanut. Amen. Amen.